right, everyone, thank you for stepping into the coach's box. I'm your host, Coach JP3, joined today by the real Coach K and Coach Natty T. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Got, <laughs> oh, yeah. Got the soccer talk to, to lead off the show. Got some NFL, NBA, and to round off the show, the most hated players in the NBA. Very interesting. Not a lot of people are talking about this, so this is a so this is a good topic for us. Now. Uh, who are the most hated players? But yes, first we're gonna kick it off with some soccer. Coach Natty T, what do you got for us? Yeah. So um, yeah, I forgot to give my prediction last week for this game, but I guess just my reaction to the USA Mexico game. That was the Concacaf Nations League. Um, because basically they created all of these different nations leagues. So there's not like just all these meaningless friendlies that usually happen. Um, so each continent has its own like leagues between all the nations. So that's basically what it was. So the United States won. It was a very, it was a crazy game. Um, but my overall reaction is from a U.S. perspective. Well, first, let me go into this. The Mexican fans y'all got to catch the smoke too because they was throwing water bottles and stuff on some of the players. So y'all can go back to Mexico with that. Y'all lucky Trump ain't in office. He would have got y'all escorted out with the quickness. So that's point number one. Point number two. Um, it's good that USA won. However, if you watch the game, they did not play well at all. It was very ugly, very sloppy. So although they did win, which is good, and they're a young team, it's something to build upon, we need to start seeing uh, just better overall play out of the team. Because right now they're in this sort of – they're in a good spot because there's never been this amount of young players playing in Europe and playing on top clubs in Europe. So examples like Christian Pulisic, uh, Weston McKinney, Sergio Des. And Zach Steffen, I mean, all these guys are playing on top clubs in Europe. So that's good. But now the United States national team is just, the men's team anyway, is just in this kind of weird space where you have a lot of good young players, but now you need to reestablish what your identity is as a nation when you play in these games. Because again, beating Mexico is good, but if you really want to be contenders against some of the top countries in the world, your France's, your England's, your Italy, your Germany's, your Portugal's, your Belgium's, and really competing on that level. Now is the time you need to start figuring out like what's your identity, what's your style of play, like how are we going to dominate the style of play? How are we going to dictate how we want to play in these games and not just reacting to what the other teams doing? So that's my reaction. Um, Would you rank Mexico like a, a middle of the road type team, like a middle tier team? Well, right now, uh, I mean, I would say so. I think they're ranked, the FIFA World Rankings, even though the FIFA World Rankings are somewhat skewed, but uh, they're ranked number, I think they're 12th right now in the world, Mexico is, United States 22. So this will, when the new rankings come out, it'll update. Um, and again, the FIFA Rankings are kind of, I don't want to go talk too far into it, but it's a little, not to say that it's fraudulent, but... It's just, it just depends on what's going on at that time. 
because a lot of times if it's not like a world cup year or if it's not like a european cup year other national teams they may just be flirting around with their roster just to see you know who who can like more players they can add to like the normal roster or they're just you know testing to see how guys look so sometimes when teams may lose games it may affect your FIFA ranking, but in the big picture, they're just really trying to get a feel for their full roster. And then some countries are in transition. You may have like an older team and then younger players coming in. You may have a mix of old players and young players and you're just trying to figure out that mix. So that's why the FIFA rankings are kind of... A little misleading. Right? It's a little misleading. Um, again, it's not necessarily from a place of being... Uh, misleading i would say like on purpose but you know there's just a lot of factors that go into it um so piggybacking off that i'm very excited for the euro 2020 it's still called euro 2020 because it was supposed to happen last year but obviously coronavirus delayed it this year um i won't go into all the various picks because you normally pick the group stage and then the next round and the next round, but I'll just go with my overall finals prediction and I'm not going to give too much analysis because I'm a friend of France. They're my favorite national team. They're the favorite. So I'm picking them to win. I have them playing England in the finals. But overall, I'm picking France to win. They're the best team. They're the overwhelming favorite right now. Um, They go pretty much two or three deep at every position, which is – I will admit, as a a fan, I'm a little scared because everybody's picking them because they should win. And in these tournaments – whether it's the World Cup, whether it's your Continental Cup, which is, you know, this is the Euros. Continuity is key. And not necessarily just talent, but continuity is key. Um, So as much talent as they have, they are kind of on the right wavelength right now. They're the defending World Cup champions. So, um, you know, I hope they pull it out. Most people think they are going to pull it out, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. Hey, Coach Natty T, not to interrupt you, but you said continuity is key. Could you expound on that a little bit? So with the – when it comes to international play, what people have to realize is in comparison to, like, the women's team, so, for example, like the USA women's team, they play eight, nine games a year together. Whereas on the men's side, no matter what country it is, they probably play, if it's a non-World Cup year, non-Continental Cup year, maybe four games, five games at the most. So when you come in these tournaments, you know, you may have talent. And most of those countries have talent because, you know, they're all playing on those top clubs in Europe, but... A lot of times it's tough because before a tournament like this, you may just kind of get everybody together for literally for two weeks and then you practice and then you go play. So what I mean by saying continuity is key is a lot of times the teams that win, 
are the teams that have the same core group of players playing together mm. at least for a while. Because even if they're <clears throat> separate clubs, when they come together, they have established identity. As to what I was saying before with United States, they have to establish an identity and a style of play and stick to that. Because that's, that's, that's what's going to dictate your flow. That's what's going to dictate your familiarity with players. So when you come in these tournaments and play together, you're not going to have a lot of time to really sort of mm. practice and gel. So you need gotcha. to have some sort of fundamental foundational base. So that's what these other countries do. And that's what the better countries that, that you know, have successful tournaments, like your Germany's, like your France, or even South America, like your Brazil's, your Argentina's, like they have an established style of play. And you know, when you're going to play for the national team, this is how we're going to play. So that's why I was saying, again, piggybacking off the last topic with the United States, they're in this weird space where now they actually have decent players, decent young players, but it's like, they're still kind of like trying to figure out like, well, because the United mm. States is no, known to be kind of like just like a hardworking type of team. But in order for you to be successful, like you need to have some sort of skill. And some and whatever your strength is has to be able to dictate what's going to happen in the game. You can't just sit back and then hope people make mistakes. Like you mm. need to be pushing the envelope a little bit. So got you. Yeah. So that's what I mean by continuity is key. So yeah. That's why I'm hoping France, because they have the most talent and they do have continuity right now, because again, it's the same core group that won the World Cup. So they, you know, it's um it's right there for them. So I hope mm-hmm. they win. They just gotta take it. They gotta take it. Yeah. Right, good. Thank you, Coach 90T, for our soccer update. Now we're gonna transition to a little NFL talk. I'm gonna throw this one to you first, Coach K. We all saw the news, Julio Jones to the Tennessee Titans. Now, of course, yeah, some people that are like, hey, some people are like, ah, this, okay, this might do something. And you got some people that went all the way on the other end. It's like, the Super Bowl, there's a Super Bowl quality type of move for the Titans. So my question to you, Coach K, does that move make the Tennessee Titans the best team in the AFC, in your opinion? Um, before I get to that point, <laughs> I've got to throw some shade. Oh, Lord. That's what you do best, Coach K. <laughs> that is what I do best, man. Atlanta. What did Atlanta really get from this trade? I mean, honestly, like, really. I, they could have restructured the contracts. All I'm saying is Atlanta's trash. My, Matty Ice is iced. <laughs> they need to get him out of there. Um, <laughs> thin ice right now, to be honest. Real thin ice. Yeah. 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 So, I, I don't know. Um, now, back to uh, back to the regular topic. Um, are they the best team in the AFC? Maybe in their division. But uh, I don't know. I kind of want to see what Carson Wentz does at Indiana. So, I mean, that's kind of a toss-up. Um, I, I don't think they are. I would say maybe maybe fifth or sixth. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you still have you still have the Kansas City Chiefs, mm-hmm. uh, the Browns, uh, Buffalo, uh, Ravens, uh, Ravens. Yeah, I, I, I feel I feel more comfortable saying they're the sixth best team. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I the big I mean, yeah, they can score, but are they going to be able to stop anybody from scoring on them? Yeah. That's my question. That's that's a real so, question. Yeah, and and I I want to I I honestly want to see what the what's gonna what's gonna be their identity now, like because you know Henry's gonna want to get his reps, but at the same time, like I, I don't know, like it, it'll just be it'll just be an interesting dynamic to see like what what their what the play calls will be now, but if anything, I think they're six. Six best in the, in the AFC right now. Because you named four already, and then if you talked about the Colts being the better team in the division, then that's probably your fifth one, right? And so the Titans yeah. should be after that. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, yeah, to answer the, answer the question, no. Um, to Coach K's point, I just think their their defense leaves still, you know, a little bit to be desired there. Um, yeah, because I was, while, while I was kind of preparing here, I just kind of, I know we did like our, our power ranking. So I was kind of thinking about that, like, where would I put them after this trade? Cause I think before I had them, I know they're in my top 10. Mm-hmm. I think I had them at, I was trying to look, I, I couldn't find my list that I had, but, um, I think I had them seven i think it was seven or eight um i actually i moved them up to five because i have the bucks chiefs bills brown and titans that's what i have um so i moved them because i think i had the ravens fifth before mm-hmm. when we talked about our power rankings a few shows ago um <laughs> I'm disappointed in the Ravens, man. They should have got Julio Jones. Yes, what are you doing? If you're Baltimore, what are you doing? I guess part partially, I guess partial or, or part of my reasoning of moving them down is is because of that because I, I really felt like that's the piece that they needed. I mean, they could have um, gotten for next to nothing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, mean, like, I don't because they're too worried about like all oh, well, in their receivers room. You know, they just drafted some. I'm like man. Julio Jones, man. Because yeah. and and this is why I actually do not. I don't think it. Again, to answer the question, I don't think it puts them number one. But I I do like the move by the Titans because, um, you know we've as as you said, Coach JP three. Uh, you know, there's been plenty of opinions on it. Uh, but I think what it does, his presence, as long as he's healthy, it does bring some attention towards him. Um, Because I've heard the argument that, you know, at least based on the numbers last year, um, and and obviously he was hurt, but if you're just looking at numbers-wise, him and Corey Davis were pretty much about the same. So some people were saying, well, you know, you're basically just spending more for about the same output from Corey Davis. But at the same time, Corey Davis doesn't bring the same presence that Julio Jones brings. Now, he could have turned into that, so maybe, okay, I get that if you're looking towards the future. But I do like it because 
you know, if you're really trying to compete with the teams that are ahead of you, I mean, you're going to need to bring some different element to the game and not just try to run it down people's throats with, with, with uh, Derrick Henry, which works, but it's just nice to have that added element and someone that, that has that respect of other defenses. Mm-hmm. So I think that will help, although I don't know if that puts them, you know. Over the hump. Over the, over the hump. But I do I think it gets them closer, gets them closer where they were last year. So that's why I, I would put them five. Because, um, again, I, I'm just disappointed in Baltimore, man. I just – because they're still elite. They're still probably going to win – well, they're adding one more game. So they'll still win, what, 13, maybe 14 games maybe. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But, like, come playoff time, like, that's – you need to give – Lamar Jackson, like some more elements, some more receivers, more big body receivers. Like that's what he needed. So, yeah, yeah. But, that's what they're missing. Yeah, because I feel like if you, man, if you switch um, Tannehill and uh, and Lamar Jackson, like the way oh, Tennessee's oh, offense is built, like oh. that's perfect for Lamar Jackson because you have two big receivers, like you know, six two, six three. I mean, they both both of them almost look like tight ends, almost. Yes. You know what I mean? And again, like I said before, like his. Not that he's not accurate, but I think he does well with tight ends because, you know, they have a bigger catch radius. So he doesn't have to be as, like, pinpoint accurate, whereas the receivers Baltimore has now are, like, smaller guys. So yeah. he's going to struggle a little bit, you know, trying to get the ball to them because you have to be, like, Tom Brady. Yeah. So I felt like, man, like, you have Julio Jones just like, a big body receiver. Like, man, that would be great. But, mm-hmm. but you know. flatter for – Baltimore yeah then, yeah yeah and again especially for what they got him for it was just like a couple second round picks and third round pick like that's not a bunch of question yeah. marks really it's basically yeah, I mean, that's nothing that's nothing so um yeah so that's my thought on Tennessee I, I like the move overall I just don't I don't know if that necessarily really puts them like over the hump like oh man they're gonna win the Super Bowl but yeah. I, I, I just like it because it gives them an added element that they didn't have before um, yeah. As long as Julio can stay healthy. Yes. Right. And that, and that's the that's the thing to both of your um, arguments here. I I agree uh, that the Falcons really squandered this this trade. Like they hands down. I don't care what Julio does next year. They lost the trade. Atlanta lost the trade already. So I'll add this though. I think the only thing that could possibly be going on is Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. Either what they saw in that rookie mini camp was that great. And they're just like, you know what? We got to give, you know, between him and Ridley, they're just like, you know what? Like we got to give these guys more reps. That's my only kind of like thought. Like if they like, if this season, they both of them just like ball out, like have pro bowl, like crazy seasons. Then I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. I see why you let Julio go. That's and the only that's the only way it would make sense. I just see that dynamic working, not to say that they would have as much production, but a similar format as uh, Kelsey and Hill. So you have a, a speed receiver that can get downfield, uh, and then you have a, a, a tight end, which is basically a receiver that has the ability of a receiver to be able to put up monster yards mm-hmm. in the tight end slot. Uh, then you have a, it was a Russell Gage, uh, mm-hmm. I think, because their third would be their, you know, or their technically second. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, 
I think when people make the argument about Julio Jones's production, in injury comes to mind as part of part of that slide. But also, I think it's the inability. It's three things. One is the injury. Two is because he's going to draw the best defensive matchup, and for most teams, a uh, you know two people guarding him whenever he comes off the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. through most of the game. So that's why Calvin Ridley could be so successful is because in most instances, he's in one-on-one coverage. Mm-hmm. I want to see what Calvin Ridley does when he's not, you know, in single coverage and he gets doubled now. Similar happened with Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. Mm-hmm. Schuster's production went way down because now Schuster gets the double coverage. Schuster gets the, game, the scheme directed toward him. So I don't know. That's why I'm a little hesitant. I don't know if that production is going to be as as large as Atlanta may want it. And plus, to my third point about Atlanta, Matt Ryan, um, they call him Matty Ice, but he could be very hot and cold throughout the season to where he he sometimes it, he has an inability to be able to get the ball to the receivers mm-hmm. at times. He he makes a lot of mistakes. He hesitates sometimes. Um, so that that's that's kind of my reluctancy about that. As far as the AFC sh- uh, makeup is concerned, now I want to give some credit here. One of our uh, listeners um, on Instagram, uh, Stairs to Greatness, uh, he also has a great podcast eight, called A&B Podcast. Y'all should check it out. Uh, but he actually sent a message to us uh, when we posted the trade had occurred. And he said that he he's more in your camp, Coach K, about the Colts are probably going to be that the best team in that division, actually. That Wentz puts them over the hump. Uh, I tend to agree with that, that if, if Wentz under the tutelage of Frank Wright being reunited with him, I think uh, they could actually be the best team in the division. And it goes down to what you all pointed out was the defense. I trust Indianapolis's defense so much more than I trust the Tennessee Titans defense <clears throat> to actually to, to, to actually win the division. Like you said, Coach 90T, the Titans are going to win some games. They'll get into the playoffs. I mean, they were the fourth highest scoring team last year with 29.6 points a game. Um, I could see that going up incrementally. Um, but is it going to be enough to actually win more than they, than, than they did last year? Is that enough to beat Baltimore in a playoff game? Is that enough to beat Kansas City in a playoff game? Is that enough to beat uh, some of these other teams? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they got marginally better, but I don't think he's actually the the component that's going to take the whole team to the next level. Mm-hmm. So that's that's just my take uh, on that. And so, yeah, it's – I, I look for him to be more productive than he's been in Atlanta the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so next, you know, along with all the NFL drama that's going on. <laughs> so apparently the fans in Green Bay are divided. They're talking to the front office and saying, yo, just go ahead and get him out of here. And then some are calling it, die, keep him up. What do you make of all this, man? 
Well, I, I, I found it pretty interesting because, um, you know, when this whole thing started, you know, as time got closer to the mandatory camp, you know, mini camp, mm -hmm. you know, to see, you know, how the fan reaction, because I'm not surprised just because of the locale. And I think <laughs> I think it's gonna be very interesting to see how what the conclusion of all this is. Mm -hmm. Because at the beginning of this whole thing with Aaron Rodgers, you know, I felt like obviously he has leverage. I mean, he just won MVP and you know the whole Jeopardy thing. Um but now that Green Bay has, I mean, let's just face it, they've kind of called his bluff a little bit. Yes. I want to see what his, what his like end game is, because I really don't think the retirement card that he's, he hasn't said it, but you know, it's they, right, 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 right. He's, he's kind of, he's at least put that out there in the world with, with Jeopardy. I don't think that's what he wants to do. I think he's not satisfied with what his legacy is right now, which is obviously he won one Super Bowl, but he hasn't got to another one. And, you know, there's a lot of people that think that's Green Bay's fault, but, you know, some people think that's his fault as too. Because if you're that good, you should be able to get at least to another one. You know, that's there's that argument out there as well. Um, <laughs> so the route that he's choosing to sort of try to get himself out of there is very interesting because you know he's in Hawaii with his celebrity fiance and you know on Instagram and as much as and and you you'll laugh as much as you know I don't really don't care for that whole midwest mentality <laughs> however you know optics matter and locale yeah. matters. So, yeah. you know, when you're doing that and you're kind of being, you know, Mr. Hollywood, yeah, that's going to rub Green Bay fans the wrong way because that's not that's not what they identify with, right? They're kind of, you know, very blue-collar, like, mm -hmm. the work every day, bring your lunch pail type of community. So I wasn't – I was interested to see, you know, how they felt, but I wasn't too surprised because that's kind of what I assumed it to be. Um, <laughs> second part is I find it kind of funny that it seems like the fans have more gumption than the actual organization because it seems like <laughs> the organization obviously had this plan to get rid of Aaron Rodgers after this season mm -hmm. or after last season but he won MVP so now they're trying to massage it but the fans is like oh no let him go <laughs> like if that was the original plan like go ahead cut him and I agree with that. I mean, you you know, they they kind of put that sort of feeling out there. Now they're trying to backtrack. Mm -hmm. And now they're playing this game of cat and mouse with Aaron Rodgers. So it's, it's just going to be very interesting to see how the finale goes. But, you know, overall, to answer the question with the fans, I'm not surprised by the reaction because, again, I think as much <clears throat> I don't really care for that whole mentality – you know, locale and optics matter. Yes. So, I, I you know, it's, it's just, it's interesting. To, I, I, it's just going to be interesting to see what the end result is because, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he, he hasn't shown up. 
And I don't know, because Green Bay really still holds the cards because they have to agree to trade him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's in the last year of his contract or anything like that. I mean, they, they have to agree to trade him. So I, whew, it's just going to be very interesting. So this, this has been a very interesting soap opera slash saga, to yeah. say the least. Right. Uh, to your point on optics, I, I see your point on that because mm-hmm. if you juxtapose that to Russell Wilson's situation, Russell Wilson, Wilson does a very intentional job of ingratiating himself to the city. When you see his social media, what is he doing? You know, he's with his family. He's in the city. He's working out. You know, I, I saw one shot. He wasn't even in Seattle, but he had his Seattle gear on, like, outside of the city, working out, and he saw it on social media. He was making some throws and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you see stuff like that, it's a little bit more relatable and a little bit more of, like, tying a bond within a relationship with the city. So when he says, hey, I don't know, you know, you haven't brought me any you know, defense in a few years and my offensive lines getting me pancaked several times a game. I might want to explore these four other teams. Then people are like, no, Seattle's like, no, you got to get Russell. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers doesn't go out of his way to be relatable in any sense of the term. Probably the most relatable thing was him. Was it in the back of Bakhtiari's truck? Yeah. <laughs> that was probably as relatable as it gets for Aaron Rodgers. But now he's doing, he's pulling a James Harden card, right? He's, he's intentionally going on social media. I want you to see me not doing football and me not caring about me not doing football. I want you to see that. In his mind, I believe that he feels that he truly has the leverage in this situation because I think he's viewing it from a poker standpoint. So when you have cards in your hand, what would prevent you from going all in on a situation to do what you want to do is you don't know the cards of the other players in the game. He already knows what Green Bay has to offer. And he said that it's not Jordan, anything personal against Jordan Love, but he knows Jordan Love isn't the answer. He knows they don't have another answer on that roster. So he knows the cards that Green Bay is holding right now. So he feels that he can take his time with this entire process and give, and they'll give in to the situation because I don't care what the media is saying about, Oh, you know, Jordan love looked good in practice today. He looked good. Or he had a good day. That, <laughs> that means nothing to me because you just got through ripping him for squandering a two minute drill like the day beforehand. So like, that means what I want, I, and even if he had is having a good, you know, has a good training camp, that also doesn't mean anything to me because until you you suit up on Sunday and you go out against actual, you know, another team and real game speed and succeed in doing that, then come talk to me about having a succession plan and it being solid. So the fact that they hit him last year and they're just now introducing them kind of to the public, letting them talk and stuff like that because he had a good day and everything like that. I think Green Bay felt like, okay, this is a good moment for him. And it looks really fishy that we're not having him talk to the media. So he should probably say something. So best believe he was coached on what to say. And they said, let's do this off of a good performance. So that, that narrative could get out there. Aaron Rodgers is not falling for that. 
So he's going to keep doing what he's going to do. From the fans' perspective, I think there is division, but it's mostly because of situational fatigue, in my opinion. I'm not in Green Bay. I haven't talked to anyone from Green Bay, but my, my guesstimate here would be is people are just sick of hearing about it. So if he goes, I don't have to hear about it and I can just kind of move on as a sports fan. Just rip the Band-Aid off already, okay? Because I've already got a wound. Just rip it off. I'll take you back to Cleveland. They burned LeBron's jersey and then they bought him again as soon as he came back. Well, yeah. Right? That's the Midwestern philosophy. <laughs> so Green Bay fans who are in that, I feel your pain as someone in Ohio, but don't go to the other side of the spectrum and just be like, just get him out of here, just get him out of here. I understand. But I think you need to be putting pressure on the organization to go ahead and come around the terms because the organization does have the leverage to what you say, Coach Natty T, as far as I don't have to trade you but how far they are willing to go and willing to wait for that to happen. We'll see. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Coach K, did you want to add anything on the uh, Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers saga? Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> uh, from, my fam, from my fans out in Green Bay, I don't care how you feel. Like, I don't care if you're going to miss the man. I don't care if, if y'all are upset with the man. Uh, Quite frankly, I don't care because I'm a Cowboys fan. So, yeah, anyways. Um, that's that's the main point I wanted to get across. Um, my next point is more so whose fault is that we got to this position in the first place? Organization. Green Bay, right? I yeah. mean, they've never put any anybody around, around – Paper clips, chew gum, and uh, used gum wrappers. Like they have never put anybody really around uh, Aaron Rodgers to help get the get him over the get him over the hump. I mean, he's always had to work with what he had. So at I I think at this point, just just let the man go. I mean, he. He got you a championship. Like, I to me, it's just, it's just, it's just making me look at the, look at the, look at the uh, Green Bay organization. Like y'all, like, I'm not, th I'm not looking at them as a prestigious organization. I'm looking at them like, man, y'all got problems. So <laughs> that's that's how I see it. Just for the sake, for the sake of the organization, for the sake of Aaron Rodgers, just let let the man go. Like, let him go play elsewhere. You know, like that's. That's all he wants to do. But that's it. So I see that Green Bay has a very rich history uh, and a very thought after as far as, hey, this is a great organization. I mean, but you did get two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, right? So, like, you you got one in, 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 a, in a trade. You got Brett Favre from Atlanta. Uh and then you drafted Aaron Rodgers. To me, that speaks more to being very fortunate as opposed to being a solid organization because I think Rodgers, outside of 
I think Rodgers makes a lot of these people look really good on the field. I, I think Devontae Adams is, is, is dope and he would be good at another team. Um, but some of the other weapons that he has to work with, I think they just benefit from him being there. So actually, what did you, in the defensive side of the ball, they've struggled to put together any type of formidable defense except for their Super Bowl year. But they got some guys that were a little bit longer in the tooth, but still had some game and and, and they retired shortly after. Mm-hmm. And they haven't really been able to cover recover defensively since then. I think they're a little bit overrated in terms of their ability to put together a team, an actual team. They just got a quarterback that can make pretty much anybody look good. And that's really saying something because when Adams is out the game and he was hurt, they were still putting up points. He was throwing to Scantling. You know, he was throwing to people that most people can't even name the other receivers on the team. Robert, you know, Robert Tanyan. So, yeah. I, I just think they're a little overrated as far as the organization's concerned. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see who gives in first. <laughs> yeah. Very, very, very interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this, at this point, like, what, what is really drawn and not really doing? Like, because again, I think to, to, to your point, well, both of your points, you know, from, from Green Bay's perspective, you know, with Aaron even though they drafted Aaron, but, you know, he had to sit for three years and, you know, for, for either, I mean, they had to redo his delivery. So I think they feel like, well, you know, we had to like restructure the delivery in terms of like, you know, his, his quarterback ability. They feel like they have a big part in that as well. Um, I don't know, but I, I think, you know, to y'all's point, I mean, I think they're just a little spoiled somewhat because you know they've been fortunate to have to go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers whereas a lot of other organizations aren't that lucky I mean maybe the only one that really comes to mind is San Francisco as far as having like that That's direct special. you know well, transition yeah. like that yep. I'm trying to think of another Ooh. one that's even close and I there may be one but I, I can't think of one um Usually there's years in between a team getting back on their feet. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, maybe I mean I'm honestly it's probably the next biggest one is probably I mean they didn't win Super Bowl, but and ironically they both involved Alex Smith, but 49ers again, and then they transition to Colin. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to Kansas City and then they were Patrick. still, you know, 10 and 6, 11 and 5, and then they transitioned to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, maybe not on the same level, but that's probably the next closest. Yeah. So I, I just think they're a little they're a little spoiled on their perspective because I think they feel like, well, we could just trade for another Brett Favre, or you know, we could just drive somebody else because we've done it before. Well, I mean, if love is looking good, then let the man play. No, but that, that's, that's why I said I think they they just overplayed their hand a little bit because you know Aaron and by Aaron's standards, statistically he was dropping a little bit because even though they were to, to the you know conference championship last year the year before last 
I mean, they really kind of changed their offense to be more of a run first type offense. It wasn't really predicated around Aaron. So I think they felt like, well, you know, we can still get by without him. But then last year, as he said, he won MVP and put a monkey wrench in their plans. That's right. <laughs> so, And they had the battle to win some of these games. And they were the number one scoring team in the league. They put up 31 yeah. and a half points a game. Mm-hmm. You think Jordan Love won't put anything close to that up on the screen? Oh, no. uh, yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. Carry on. In the words of Perkins, Andrew Perkins, carry on. Yeah. So we'll see. Okay. Well, that's it for the football. Uh, more to come on, on, on uh, a lot of these situations. Um, but we're going to switch over to NBA. Wanted to give, uh, show some love. Uh, for Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson turned 46 this week. Uh, so, I, you know, it would be a good idea. Coach Natty T, I thought it would be a good idea for us to share our favorite Iverson moment. So, uh, let's go with uh, Coach Natty T. You can go first. What's your favorite Iverson moment? Um, well, for me, it's uh... – I mean, obviously the two that pops out are the two obvious ones, of course. Um, but if I had to choose one, I actually got to go with the Jordan crossover one. Because just for me, I actually was able to watch it when it happened. Because mm-hmm. it was on, you know, back, you know, for the younger listeners, you know, WGN. I don't think if you've noticed that channel, the only reason why that channel exists is because of Michael Jordan. That's yeah. a local Chicago channel. And the Bulls were that good that they literally like made it a national channel, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can catch all the Bulls games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I remember watching it live, and I was I was I always liked Allen Iverson, you know, when he was at Georgetown. Um, but you know, when I saw that, because I, you know, as a kid I was a Jordan fan, but you know, to see somebody actually like cross over Michael Jordan, I was like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, he was already kind of like my favorite younger player, I would say, as a, as a kid, because of, because of the Georgetown watching mm-hmm. him in the tournament against Connecticut against Ray Allen. I'm still mad Connecticut won that game. But... Yeah, <laughs> man, man. But um, but yeah, that's probably my favorite moment, just because I think for me, that's when my like true fandom of him started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I knew Michael probably, even as a kid, you knew, like, all right, Michael's probably going to play for another few more years. I need to find somebody else that I can kind of, like, look yeah. up to. And then so I was like, that, that like, solidified it. I was like, all right, but Michael's done. Like, I'm all AI. So right. <laughs> I got to pick. Yeah, so for me, I, I'll pick that moment for me. Okay, well, done. I already know what Coach K going to pick. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, oh, oh of when he stepped when he when he stepped over Ty Lue. <laughs> was, nothing else in the world is better than that. But um, that's that's what my head says. But my heart is uh, when he actually returned to the 76ers because it. I don't know. There's just something about when he when he stepped back onto the court, and you know, like for me, that was epic because I I don't know. I don't. I, there was a point in time where I didn't really watch the NBA, and I was probably right around um, in between, like, 2006, 2008. But when he came – I do remember when he came back, like, that was big for me just because 
it didn't right it didn't feel right having them you know Detroit or like the Nuggets yeah. but yeah actually like you know Memphis yeah yeah you yeah. can't be the chosen one over there bro <laughs> nah so having them come back home to the 76ers like that's a culmination of a legacy right there so um yeah that's that's my favorite AI moment right there gotcha I'm gonna cheat a little bit um I'm gonna go with uh the Eastern Conference semifinals in 2001 against Toronto that series for for the listeners out there that didn't get a chance to watch it it that's was absolutely epic yes absolutely right coach 90 you know we reflected and we glorified uh jamal murray versus donovan mitchell last year and the bubble in the playoffs because they put on a show them dudes put on a show no question in my mind but mm-hmm. this has happened before right we've seen it happen before and not a lot of people brought this up not a lot of the analysts brought up i was pretty i was surprised by this vince carter and alan iverson put on an absolute show in 2001 and their semifinal matchup. I'm going to give you three parts. Right, so, so game two in that series, Iverson dropped 54 on 21 out of 39 shooting, uh, made all of his free throws. Okay, so that's game two of the series. Now we're going to go to game five. Let's go to game five of that series. And um, he got... Was it 48? Let's see. This is what happens when you don't have your notes organized, people. Uh, game five versus, yes, game five, he scored 52. That's still AI, right? That's still AI, yes. That's I thought, yeah. Yeah, he scored 52 on 21 out of 32 shooting with seven assists and four steals. Okay. And then finally, we'll do game seven of that series um, when he scored. Um, he didn't have a, a great shooting game, but what stood out to me is that he had 16 assists in that game, in game seven. So it's like, hey, the shot's not falling, but I'm going to find another way to get us to win. And 16 assists assist in a uh, you know, conference semifinal against Vince Carter's Raptors is nothing to shake a stick at. So, uh, and Vince Carter also dropped 50 in that series. He, he got a, you know, a 50 and a couple 40s, I believe, in that series himself. So it was an excellent went every Literally, it was every other game. Yeah. That's what, cause that's what I remember from that series, because it was every other game, like, literally, Allen Iverson, like I said, he dropped 40 one game, and then the next game, Vince Carter dropped 50, and then mm-hmm. he dropped 54. <laughs> dropped, yeah, man. Oh, my goodness. It was ridiculous. And it literally went down to the last shot of the series. Yep. Not only was it the last game of the series, but Philly won 88 to 87, and Vince Carter missed a game winning shot that would have sent them to the Eastern Conference uh, Finals to play Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought it was going in. I was praying that it wasn't, that it didn't go in, and I thought it was going on, and it, it just clicked off. So uh, Iverson and Sixers got to go. But I just remember, like, just the, just the way he hooped, man. And for those of you who don't know, I just, I just want you to look up the 2001 Philadelphia 76ers roster so you can see the folks he was playing with. <laughs> hey, man, he had a he had a defensive player of the year. He had Matumbo. He, yep. he had an older Matumbo. Yep. Right? And he had Aaron McKee coming off the bench, which mm-hmm. was either a six-man of the year or six-man of the year candidate. And that's it. 
Hey, but you see when I looked away from the camera when I said that, like I don't even believe what I'm saying right now. Like <laughs> Matumba, nah, he, he bro, he had <laughs> Yeah, I mean it and, and we saw what happened in the finals. He got absolutely dominated by Shaq. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of people got dominated by Shaq in those three years. Man, you ain't lying. You treat people like ragdolls out there. When they played the Nets in the finals that way, there's a photo of Shaq dunking on the entire team. Like you see Shaq and then you see like four or five players surrounding him and they're helpless. They could do nothing. But honestly, even that year, because that year when they played um, – you know, not to get too much into it, but when they played San Antonio, and cause that's when they had Tim Duncan and David Robinson, and he was just tossing them aside like it was nothing. They, yeah, I mean, they couldn't, they couldn't do nothing with Shaq, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, man. Yeah, that was bully, bully ball at its truest definition. At its finest, yeah. I can't believe AI is forty six, man. Time is flying by. And we're getting old, man. We get real. Yeah. I yeah. never thought I'd see that day. Big ups to AI and his career. Um, and he looks like he's doing well for himself post-career, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's doing all right. Yeah. Now, for the long-awaited Clippers slash KD watch with Coach <laughs> A. Oh, it's my turn? It's your turn, and you got a lot for us. Go ahead, man. 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 You give me the floor, bro. Jeff <laughs> Reason is last night. Look, man. Man. So, only thing I have to say about the Clippers series is I, I just I just don't understand this team, bro. Like, I just don't get it. I don't think anybody does. Part, <laughs> to be honest, they man, like... The they don't understand I, themselves. I, I don't get it. Like, I don't get how Patrick Beverly still has a roster spot. Honestly, don't for man every <laughs> and the thing is, man, every year we talk we talk about oh man, like Paul George is hooping right now. Oh man, like he's he's he did he had a good game last night. He also got cooked by Donovan Mitchell last night too. He got cooked, bro. He. He is he is no longer elite. He is what I call uh if you take the E out of elite, that's called light. So he's a light <laughs> defender. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I, I hope they lose in four. I really do. And like the thing the thing that I'm looking forward to is when Mike Conley comes back. Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, and Donovan Mitchell are going to be cooking on those boys, man. It's going to be a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah, and I don't know. People keep talking about Kawhi, but I don't even know if I'll put Kawhi in my top five right now. Mm. I mean, he's certainly not playing like it. Not consistent. Nah. Um, now for what we came here for, man, obviously KD. Yeah. You know what? 
Be careful. Don't tell any personal stories. He's going to call you out. I ain't worried about that, man. Well, <laughs> I don't like law preferences. I do not like KD, but I respect him. Like, he going out there handling his business. Then the other night, didn't he go, like, 16 for 18 or something crazy? Mm-hmm. Or it was, like, 12 for 18. Yeah. So, I mean, he – I don't know. I guess the one thing I wish KD would do is actually go out and try to win a ring on his own. But, now nah, he's got to have – and see, that's the thing. It's like when the odds are stacked in his favor, like, when he, when he put in with a group of people who are just superior basketball players, of course – like he he plays like he has like like no regard for human life, but I, I, I've never seen him carry a team to the finals. And I honestly don't think. Um, I honestly don't think we'll ever get the chance. Mm-hmm. And it's it, to me, it's like to me, it's uh, it's sad because I I, I want to see I don't know like. I want to see him like. I want to put him in the. Con- I can't even put him in. I can't. He's nowhere near the goat conversation for me. I know some people are trying to say that because of his skill set and like everything he can do. I I honestly don't care. Like, just because just because he's he's. Go ahead, go ahead. I see you want to say something. I'm about to ask you a question because you talked about him winning one on his own, but like you know, it would be fair for him to have one running mate. Right, but not as right. team. Let's say Harden can't continue in the playoffs at all. Let's say he comes back, gets hurt again, so it's just him, Kyrie, you know, Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown, and Joe Harris, and all of them. Would you? How would you feel about that if they won a championship with Kyrie and KD uh, without Harden? Would that be satisfactory? Right, that that kind of changes things a little bit. It does kind of change things, but I don't like the one team I feel like that's supposed to be able to stop them is the Bucks, and like they're they're playing like they should. They're like an AC team. I'll get to that in a minute. I mean, I guess that would change things for me a little bit, but I don't know. Like you got if they beat the Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't, I don't really know if that's, like, how – granted, I don't really think we know how good the Atlanta Hawks are. They're mm-hmm. a very good team. Mm-hmm. Um, if they if they can beat uh, – hopefully Joel Embiid, like, isn't super, super hurt. But if they if they could beat the 76ers, like, I would – I would respect that. I think it just – I think it just all depends on, like, who they play in the finals, too. Because if they play, I would respect them if they beat the Jazz. Um, I don't think the Nuggets are gonna make. I would, I, I would respect them if they, if the Clippers can somehow make it. Okay. The Suns, I don't know. I, it's just such a weird year because like the matchups that that I want to see, like. Lakers has already bounced out yeah. of the series. Like they they gone. So right. we're not gonna see any of the matchups we really want to see. Nah, never. So 
And I was thinking, like, the next matchup I potentially would like to see would be, um, like, the Clippers. But the Clippers are so just so inconsistent that I don't even – I don't even – I don't think they can get out of their own way. Mm-hmm. So, I guess that the matchup that I really would like to see would probably be the Jazz and Brooklyn. Okay. Um, I don't really care. Yeah. I don't really care about the battle of the big men anymore because I I just don't see the Nuggets winning without Jamal Murray. Okay. Yeah, they're really missing him right now. So, yeah, I think – I think – so I'll I'll say this. If if they did win, then I think um, I would – I think it it'll like compensate for like one of the championships that he won with uh with Golden State. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, because I mean I, I have to respect the man's talents and what he what he's what he does because not only is he like is he clapping back on people but he he's like he's he's living up to his expectation. I mean he's always lived up to his expectations. I think on the court, the only thing that he hasn't done is win a championship on his own. Mm. Um which brings me to my which brings me to my next point. Uh Giannis <laughs> has been Giannis, <laughs> man, yo, that game last night felt like I was watching the the low like the the Paul like Mayweather fight. That was hard like, to that's, watch. that was hard to watch man. And I'm just like Giannis is going <laughs> Went one, <laughs> he went one for eight. Um, like they, they don't even, they're not even trying to guard him on the. No, they're not, and that's that's embarrassing. He's supposed to be a back-to-back MVP, and I, I don't know, man. I try to give grace to the man because, like, the, I mean, I still had the shortest offseason in like NBA history, but this man, he can't. There's no excuse for scoring 18 points in game two. Like, I don't care who you are. You're right. supposed to be a back-to-back MVP. Um, and I <laughs> – like, I don't know, man. Like, and, and I, I hate seeing – like, Giannis is an ugly player to watch, bro. He has no finesse to his game. Like, it's always – it always – like I say, he always looks like he's carrying, like, some hot cupcakes out the oven or whatever, <laughs> like out the stove or something. Like when he's carrying the ball, uh, I don't know. I guess in order to win this series, like it's it's almost like they have to find a way to get like uh, Middleton or like Drew Holiday going. But at the same time, like I don't know, Drew Holiday is having a hard time keeping up with Kyrie. Yeah. Um, so he's going to be running. So you put that on Chris Middleton. I just, I just don't. I don't see Chris Middleton as a superstar. Gotcha. So gotcha. that's fair. um. And then I'll say uh, one last thing. Yeah, Giannis is knocked all the way out of my top ten. Like he's he's maybe top fifteen, maybe. Okay. Okay. I know it's a harsh criticism, but my, my man, he's terrible from the free throw line. Like he can't shoot a jumper. He can't. He can't do anything but euro step and layup. That's Bro, it. They had, they had Brooklyn put a shot, uh, a free throw, 
uh, counter on the scoreboard to clown him, and the NBA made them take it down. Mm-hmm. Like, just no respect at all. Absolutely none. Man. Yeah. And, and, like, I was watching some highlights from some of the other games. There were games, and it was against Brooklyn, where, where Giannis was hitting some shots. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. So, I'm like, and, and you're telling me, like, when, when people back up off of you, you can't hit anything? Nope. I mean, he hit the backboard. I mean, he hit the rim. Yeah, man, Giannis, Giannis is not a top 15 player. Top, he's not top fifteen, May, maybe top twenty. There it is. I ain't mad at it. I ain't mad at That's it. That's a lot of hate, but I don't know. Giannis, the Greek. Yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping, and I don't know. Like, I'll give him, I'll give him one more year, but I, I gotta, I got to see some improvement. Like. Especially, especially if you're a two-time MVP, bro. Like <laughs> two-time MVP, you at least have to be able to do something to, to KD to disrupt his game. He can't do anything. Listen, he got he got put on the dance floor by Kyrie. Yeah, he got punched on by Blake Griffin. Bro. He got torched by KD, and it's supposed to be your reign defensive player of the year. Okay. You that put him in a, all happened to one person in one game. And you trying to say he's in the same category uh, as Hakeem Olajuwon and also Michael Jordan? Absolutely not. not I'll rest my case. Not even close. Yeah. All right. Thank you for another good segment. Uh, KD slash Clippers. And sprinkle a little bit of Giannis watch for Coach K today. Like, we're going to go ahead and transition to the second round playoff analysis here. So we're going to go into a little bit to each series and just give our, our observations of what we've seen so far. Um, I'll get us started with the um, Hawks and Sixers series. You know, I was um, really impressed with the with game one and the Hawks went in in Philly um, despite – you know, Embiid dropping was he dropped like 39 in game one, but then he comes mm-hmm. back in game two and he looks good. He drops 40 and they win. And last time I checked, they're winning by 20 tonight. Uh, so it's about to be fourth quarter. It's in the fourth quarter. So I was I was really thinking Atlanta might be able to steal this series. I don't I don't know if I mean if MB is and the thing about tonight is that MB's not totally dominating the game and they're still up by almost 20 that they're getting a well-rounded performance by the other players. You know, they got 15 here, 15 here, 12 here, 21, you know. If that is the Sixers team that's going to come come to play, uh, Atlanta's in trouble. So I I really wanted to see Atlanta win this series, but I'm going to have to go with Philly um, winning in six. So that's what I got so far. Uh, Coach Natty T., what do you make of the uh, Sixers Hawks series right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I had Atlanta winning series just because I thought um, I thought Joel Embiid was going to be out or limited in his play, mm-hmm. but I'm impressed with him because he, you know, normally 
in past years, he, I don't think he would have played. Mm. You know, any sort of like slight playing, he, he wasn't going to play. And that's not necessarily a knock on him. I mean, I think, you know, players have to, uh, you know, listen to their own body. But I do feel like this year, you know, maybe with, with a Doc Rivers coach, and I think there's just a different level of, of toughness there with him, which I like. Mm -hmm. uh, so, as you said, even though in game one they lost, um, I think just him just going out there and still playing and having a pretty good game, at least statistically, you know, I thought was impressive. And I think that's kind of, even though they lost the game, I think it's, it's sort of, you know, galvanized the Sixers through the last two games or last game and into this game as well, because it looks like they're going to destroy Atlanta. Um, so, yeah, I'd have to, based on how it's going now, I mean, it looks like it might be a gentleman's sweep, honestly, without us looking. Because, uh, yeah, Atlanta looks just a little outmatched um, yeah. with Philly. Because, again, if, if, if Embiid is going to play like that, then, yeah, I mean, they don't really have that that much of a of a shot so um yeah i mean i'm, I'm impressed with joel Embiid. so you know he's been very impressive all season and it looks like he's continuing that momentum into the playoffs so i like it absolutely okay um it, for me to i mean as good as capella is like he he ain't Joel Embiid is too much of a well, well, I want to say well-rounded NBA like basketball player to to be limited in the series, and I think that's that's definitely going to be a determining factor too. Um, I mean, trade. I mean, it's it's still just a young team. Um, I think, I think Philly at least like I I feel like they're at least going to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I. I mean, there are some people thinking that um, they were – Philly had a shot even though, like, even without without Embiid playing. So, I'm I'm hope I'm thinking this is – like you said, it's probably going to be a gentleman's sweep. I think maybe maybe Joel, Embiid maybe even sits game – like the next game, maybe see how it goes without him so he can get some rest. But okay. – I think this is done. All right. Uh, next series is Brooklyn, Milwaukee. Um, Coach K, I know you talked about it in your segment. Did you want to add anything about this series? I just want to. I just want to add that. Uh, I just want to add that uh, Budenholzer is on the same level of coach as. Uh, as um Ty Lue. Yeah. Um, he lose this year. He lose job yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He looks so strong every time they swing the camera by him. Yeah. I um I guess the only thing else I just really wanted to add was it, I, it's probably gonna be over next, I think the next two games Brooklyn bounces them out. I already okay. said I have everything I needed to say about uh oh I'm sorry I forgot to mention this in the last in the last segment, but uh Danny Green is trash. Um, <laughs> um but yeah, it's it's a wrap. It's a wrap uh four one Brooklyn. Okay. 
Right, gentlemen. So that was that easy. I've been waiting for this one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nah, man. Yes. I, there, there's nothing else. Like I said, I, I'm gonna sound like a broken record, man. Like I, I'll still, I'll still stick to my prediction of uh, Brooklyn in six. Mm-hmm. I'll give the Bucks game four. I think that's it. But that last game was one of the worst displays of basketball I've seen. Mm-hmm. I'm not again. I'm not a Bucks fan. I'm not a. I'm not a Brooklyn fan either. But you know, to me, if you're watching it from a Bucks perspective, nothing about last night is encouraging at all. Nope, I mean, nothing. Cool. They won the game. They won the game. But to me, it just looked like Brooklyn Brooklyn literally let them win the game. Because um, what's disturbing to me about Giannis is this dude is, is literally trying to do, sh- like, pull-up threes. It's like, dude. Why? Why? And the thing is, like with Brooklyn, I mean, you could tell at the beginning of the game, like, to me, Brooklyn just didn't, they just weren't plugged into that that game yesterday. Because, like, if you notice in the first two games, especially with Giannis, when Blake was guarding him, Basically, what Giannis does, because they'll give it to him like around half court, and then he'll try to catch the defense off guard before they get set and just start sprinting. Mm-hmm. And he caught and he caught Blake a few times because he just kind of just fell asleep, and then he just charged right by him and then scored. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what he does. Or he'll get there and then do the euro step or do the spin to the, to one side or the other, and that's it. Yeah, that's most of the time to the right. Yep. Most of the time to the right. That's all he does. Um, I mean, you're not you, you you're not even changing your free throw routine. I mean, like you're airballing threes and taking 13 seconds to take a free throw. Mm-hmm. <sighs> he's he's lost some confidence for sure. Yeah, man. I. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give him a game. I'll give him another game, game four, not because of Giannis, but uh, because of Middleton. And I think Drew Holiday's got to have a good game. He's one due. Of yeah, he's due. Um, because, again, to Coach K's point, I think maybe, you know, he's chasing around Kyrie too much. And, you know, that's going to take a lot out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did have the game-winning shot last night just because that was a – yeah, it was a – I don't know what was going on on that play with Brooklyn it's like they just forgot they had to play defense that possession <laughs> um and that's what's crazy they've been going decently well the past two games that's two games they held in 86 points it's yes. pretty good mm-hmm. um but I, man there's nothing I'm seeing from from Milwaukee that's encouraging at all I mean like with James Hart now you sh- you should be like they should be up in this series yeah. They should be up 2-1, like in all seriousness. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really should be. I mean, they really sh- there's no excuse why you should lose a game by 50. <laughs> I mean, that that's just 
I'm sorry. That's just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, and then even last night, I mean, they, they come out, what was it, like 20, what was it, 30 to 9 or something like that, or 20 mm-hmm. to 9? Mm-hmm. And then they just let them right back in the game. You can tell they were tense the whole time. Yep. So I just, again, I, I didn't see anything for me that, that tells me that they, they have a chance of coming back and winning the series. Um, again, I'll just because to stick to my prediction on this one, I'll say they'll win game four, Brooklyn wins in six, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's, if, you know, Brooklyn wins the next two and it puts it puts us out of our misery so we don't have to watch this nonsense yeah it was bad it was really bad i don't have much to add to y'all's analysis uh just milwaukee you're not going to be able to survive with chris milks and being your best player it's just not going to work can't he he it's like when you have folks like drew holiday and chris middleton I'm trying to think of some other teams that have. Um, I mean, even if you're, um, I mean, the, the Clippers, I think, is a good example, too. Now, they didn't win, of course, uh, but, you know, Jackson dropped 29 last night for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Paul George had a good stuff. Like, you can't have Reggie Jackson being your, your leader out there offensively. Mm-hmm. You're not going to win with that at all. So for, for this series, yeah, I don't think it's sustainable. I'm just going to go ahead and say I wouldn't be surprised um, to Coach Nadeke's analysis that if, if Milwaukee got one more. Uh, but it's not looking promising. I'm going to go ahead and say gentlemen sweep in this one uh, with, with Brooklyn. I really – Brooklyn just looks like a bunch of players who know that they are better than the other team. And then they look at each other like, all right, we should probably play basketball now. And we're down a little bit. And then they just get right back into the game. Just like, I mean, KD was just like, boom, boom, boom. Just like that. Just like that. And unfortunately, Bruce Brown did not give KD the ball on um, in that last play. So, go ahead, Coach <laughs> Again, I'm not a Brooklyn Nets fan, but I was just like, Bruce Brown, like you were playing great, but like, dude. You, you need to pipe down, bro. Like, know who you are. <laughs> know, know who you are. Like, but that's my point from Milwaukee's perspective. That's why they lost the game because Bruce Brown thought he was KD or Kyrie in his head and wanted to take the last two shots. And Ooh. then even Joe Harris, like, one for 11? Really? Yeah, that's not going to happen next time. Like, if he hits, that's what I'm saying. If he hits two shot, two more shots, even if he goes three for 11. Like (laughs) the game's over because he was missing like wide open, like not free throw shots, but like hitting mid range shots. I don't know if maybe he's just, you know, he's just strictly a three point shooter. I mean, he's the best three point shooter in the league, even above Steph statistically. Mm -hmm. And he was missing shots. Yeah. It's two shots. The game's over. Game's over. I am. I love to watch body language after games. And so I had briefly turned the channel and I flipped it right when the game ended. Mm-hmm. And I watched the Bucks leave the court. I thought they lost without seeing the score. I thought they lost. They know because they know. They know that was horrible. They're just like, man, dude. 
that that told me everything I needed to know about what the rest of the series was going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, then Ky- and then really Kyrie, because Kyrie, I mean, what do you, let me look it up here. Yeah, he's nine for 22, 22 points, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, KD, because to your point, man, they know, like, that was not a good performance at all from the Bucks. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think um, I heard this on one of, on uh, on one of the shows, but I I agree with the statement because I think they thought that first quarter when they came out like super fast, like I think they thought Brooklyn was gonna be like, all right, well we'll catch y'all game four. Mm-hmm. But really, it was the that's why I gotta give Bruce Brown credit. Like it was the bench guys that got him back in the game, and then KD was like, all right, well I guess we're close enough. Let me start hitting some shots now, and yeah. then. <laughs> Like literally watching the game, like that's what that like that's what it felt like happened. I think they came out and then Katie and Kyrie would looked at each other like, "You shall wait till game four. Like, all right. <laughs> and that, hey, you might actually be able to win this one, like, right, okay. right, 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 right. But then like Claxton came in, Mike James came in, Bruce Brown came in, and they just kind of like they're like, no, nah, no, nah, Bruce Brown. And then yeah, so to me, like that's that's what happened in that game. And I think Milwaukee was just – they just looked stressed the entire time, especially third quarter, fourth quarter. They just – I mean, my goodness. So, I, I don't know, man. That, that's just very disappointing. Man, it is. Even it though is. I picked the Nets to win, but, I mean, I thought it would be more competitive than this. Absolutely. Especially when James Harden went down. I'm like, all right, well, shoot. They they might mess around and win this series. They but... win this. This is gift-wrapped. For, for, I, all yeah. – it's just like all these roadblocks for the Bucks the last couple of years have just kind of moved. Yeah. Yeah. Kawhi's in the West. LeBron's in the West. in the West. Harden's heard. Embiid is kind of uh, you know, he was he was hurt there for a little bit too. So there's some vulnerability, at least for Philly to say the least. Some vulnerability mm-hmm. there. Yep. If you were to get Atlanta, you tell me, like, I think Milwaukee could take Atlanta pretty easily. I just think they're – because Milwaukee, to be serious, honest, they're, they're a disciplined, hardworking, like, you know, team they, that plays good defense most nights. Well, in the regular season, anyway. In the regular season. Yeah. So, I, I think it's like, bro, like, this is, this is it. Like, this is your defining moment, Giannis. If you can – like I said, I wouldn't blame him if they lost, but he like bought out in, in the games, and I'm like, hey, you know, just a better team. Once, you know, that, that's what. And then my my last my last go around on this. This is why, because you look at his stats. Because even in game one, his stats were good. Yes, this game his stats were good. But when you watch the game, like I'm watching it, like this is garbage. I mean, seriously, like I, and, and again, I, I do like his effort that he gives and, and his nickname is, is appropriate Greek freak because he's an athletic freak. So he's just going to athletic a lot of people to mm-hmm. his stats. But at the end of the game, like, like Milwaukee can't, they can't give him the ball. Nope. Cause to your point, like you're asking Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday to basically outduel Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving at the end of the game if it's close. Mm-hmm. Like I'm picking KD and Kyrie every time. 
Yeah. Now, they lost yesterday, but more times than not, I'm picking KD and Kyrie. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Yeah. Like they can't give the man the ball. Nope. Because he can't shoot free throws. There goes going back up off of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giannis, can you give me a 12-foot jumper? Forget a three-pointer. Can, can, can you get a 12-foot jumper? You can at least do that where you could pull up from the free throw line area when he drops. And now it's like, oh, do I got to protect the baskets? Are you going to, you know, do a pull-up? On? At, least, at, least make, at least make it, you know, a little juicy lately. You know, at least get people thinking a little bit. He's he's excruciating to watch for me. Like watching him as an individual is almost the same as watching the Clippers. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather watch the Mayweather fight again than watch Giannis <laughs> play another minute yeah, of basketball. It's, it's, like he's very hard to watch, man. Especially as the game gets tight, it's just like, like it hurts my eyes. <laughs> but I digress. We're we're gonna move on to the Western Conference, Jazz. Clippers. Well, oh, speaking of mess. Jeez. Speaking of hot mess. Okay, you're rubbing your hands together. I know you talked a oh, little man. bit about this series. What would you like to add uh, about the Clips and Jazz series? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. Oh, we, like, know. we know what's coming. I mean, I don't know. I say it almost every week. I do say it every week. <laughs> Ty Lue is not the head coach. Like, I don't know how how many different times I can say it, how many different languages I can say it in. You know, Steve Ballmer just – bro, like, if he <laughs> – um, I think the – I think I think the series will go six – Six games. I'm giving Jazz four two. Um, I think Paul George. There's really nothing Paul George could do at this point to make me believe uh, he's not trash. Um, <laughs> he had a good game last night. He had a good game. I, I don't care. Like he, <laughs> he's he's still Paul George. Um, <laughs> George Paul, George Paul, whatever you want to call it, way off P. Yeah. Um, I did. I did hear. I forget whose take it was. I was listening to, but they made an interesting point. Like, what if? What if we had a series where Paul George actually like told Kawhi, like, "I got this," mm. and went off and got like 30, <laughs> 35. 35, 38 points, but that ain't going to happen because it's Paul George. Um, to me, this is a defining – this is a defining uh, moment for uh, Kawhi's career, um, this series, like, because expectation is a championship. I guess my expectation would be at least a seven-game series in the Western Conference, Conference Finals. Okay. Um, If he if he if they lose this series, um, he's probably he's probably in my top eight. Okay. I I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm tired of saying, well, you know, he. Um, 
I'm I'm tired of saying like, well, you know, he's he he might be tired. Like, well, I mean, all the rest and all that stuff is is for when you get to this moment. You know, you shouldn't have wasted. You shouldn't have wasted. No, I mean, the Dallas series should have been over in like five games. Mm-hmm. Literally, should have been over in five games. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think I think Kawhi is overrated. I think we're starting to see that. Top eight. And I'm saying jazz jazz and six. Because I mean Conley hasn't even come back yet. Nope. But when he does, it's 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 gonna be lights lights up. It's game over. That, that's all I gotta say. Yes, I love the stress. I love seeing the stress, stress man. The stress. Bless us, brother. Bless us, brother. Because let him use. Like I, like I yes. said, man, with the Giannis thing. Like I'm not a Clippers fan, but they're just like this whole emotional roller coaster is just not healthy. Like I'm not even a Clippers fan, and it's just. It's disturbing on so many levels. They gonna kill Steve Ballmer. Yeah, him. They gonna kill him. Uh, Marcellus, Skip Baylor, all them. Yeah, all them gonna pass away (laughs) just from stress of watching the Clippers because it's just it's it's unbelievable. But um, (sighs) with saying all that. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm actually going to stick with my pick. Don't do this. Clippers in seven. Ooh. That's what my original um, thought was. I didn't think it would be like this. I thought they would at least split a game. Yeah. But... Coach left the set. <laughs> <Coach Ken. laughs> All right, listen, man. <laughs> He's gone. He's lost it. Because here's, here's the problem. And this is the thing that really ticks me off about them. Because uh-huh. you know what's not going to be shocking? Mm-hmm. If they win these next two games and actually win the series in seven and be the only team in NBA history to come back from two, like, two series down 2-0 in the same playoff season. It wouldn't shock me. Would it shock you? No. That's not to do it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That that's what I'm saying. And even when um when Coach Wake Up asks the question in our in our group chat, our infamous group chat, as yes. our listeners have gotten used to us talking about, because he asks, you know, now that the Clippers have made it, do you see anybody giving them trouble? That's why I put if in caps <laughs> in quotation marks, because if they play the way they supposed the way they're supposed to, it should be relatively easy. Well. Yeah. When I mean easy, I mean like, you know, five, six games. Yes. You know, for each each in the next two series. Like the finals will be a different story, but you know, this series and the next series. If, but again, it's I, I don't so <laughs> my next lap is Ka- is Kawhi. So he, cause he has like arthritic knees, right? 
Mm-hmm. So I was trying to look so. it up. And in all seriousness, I really feel like, I mean, they're not going to talk about it, but I think that really has a significant impact on his play. I don't know if you guys noticed, but, you know, can I, I'm just fascinated by these things like biomechanics and stuff like that, just because playing and understanding those little nuances. Because he, athletically, he looks a step slower. If you look at those games where they lost, even though his numbers were okay, he looks a step slower. Because even like these first two games, like when he's trying to guard Devin Mitchell, it just, it don't look right. But if you remember, you know, looking back at game six against, against Dallas, game seven against Dallas, it was like two different people. I mean, the, the quickness was there. The footwork was there. The sharpness was there in terms of his body movements. He looked like a totally different guy. So I'm wondering if, you know, it really has a bigger effect on him you know, from game to game to game. Because to me, it just looks like his movement doesn't look the same. Like these first two games in Utah, yeah, it just, it, it don't look right. Like He's it sluggish. just, he looks sluggish. Yeah. And then again, and then in the next game, like I said, when, you know, in the Dallas series, when they go to Dallas, like he was just, he looked like the Toronto Kawhi. Yes. Physically. Mm-hmm. So... I, I don't know, but to me that to, that those are connected. They, they have to be connected. Yeah, I I'm looking at this series, and it's I'm gonna start calling the cardiac Clippers, man, because it's just absolutely frustrating and agonizing. That's upset, and I don't get it. Like I. I picked the Clippers to win this series because it should be a matchup nightmare for Utah. It should be. What I am seeing, okay, so first of all, what I did not like, I did like what you said, Coach Natty T, about game seven, the energy that Kawhi played with. I hadn't seen that in, in, a, in a little while. You're saying it looked Even like in, Kawhi. Yeah, even in the other games that they won in the series, I didn't quite see that. Like he actually showed emotion in that game. Mm-hmm. And because I remember he hit a big shot and he yelled. I have no idea what his yell sounds like. <laughs> Most of us don't know what his regular voice sounds like. Mm-hmm. You know, it was probably like, ah, I was <laughs> like, you know, but he did that. And I'm like, okay, so where was this in all the other games that you lost? Where I, where it's, yeah to catch up with you at some point you yep. that kind of play has to catch up with you and it's just for me it's just i just don't know when but it's going to they're not going to win the championship like that there is no way that you can play like that and win a championship nope. you can beat a team like i said you know luca and the luquettes you can beat that team playing like that this jazz team was getting healthier as the series progresses. Mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell is outplaying both you and Paul George. Let me think so. See, this is the this is the strategic issue that I have with the Clippers because Ty Lue's trying to find something. 
right? Because Donovan Mitchell is torching his, his stars. So what does he do? He puts Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly got like 21 minutes last night. 21 minutes. Gave them absolutely nothing offensively. Did we expect anything else? No, we didn't. But he gave them absolutely nothing. But defensively, he did disrupt Donovan Mitchell's rhythm. So that's why they put him in the game to try to slow Donovan down. But there's a cost to that. So yes, you slow Donovan Mitchell down, but you also sacrifice offense when you get the ball. Mm-hmm. And you you sacrifice um, kind of like offensive fluidity, not just in a scoring fashion, but in a ball movement strategic way. So like Rondo may not be as good of a defender as Patrick Beverly right now in his career, you know, floater, stuff like that. But Rondo offset that, number one, because he could actually make a shot at some point. Uh, and number two, because he can control the offense. So I know a lot of Clipper fans were talking like, yo, you know, Marcus Morris, you know, Morris missed these shots and, and um, you know, Kawhi missed shots and everything like that. We only lost by a couple points. We came all the way back. I, I challenge... I think that's fool's gold as well. I challenge that by saying that Donovan Mitchell had a really bad second half and you had to put Patrick Beverly, you had to sacrifice your offense to do that. And what happened? You should win that game. Mm-hmm. If you take their star away, that's going to produce the points. You should win that game. But you didn't. And why? Who beat you? Now, Donovan Mitchell did hit a big shot off the glass, a nice take, you know, drive to the basket. They were letting Joe Ingles dribble up the, up and down the court. Joe Ingles was operating the Jazz offense for the majority of the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. Patrick Beverly's the only one that kind of like, like that stole the ball from him. Like Patrick Beverly, but anyone else? Everyone else? Couldn't guard him. Couldn't guard him. They let him walk into a three-point shot. Mm-hmm. There was miscommunication on defense. Two people went to Mitchell. Wide open shot for Ingles. Open shot right here. So I'm like, you're letting Ingles run the offense and beat you at it. Royce O'Neal jumped into action, hit some big shots. Jordan Clarkson, of course, is going to do his thing. Boba. So like, and Boba, you know, Boba. Boba, yes, yes. He's actually playing good defense and getting buckets on the other end. Mm-hmm. But what that mm-hmm. game showed me is that you don't need Donovan Mitchell to score 40-plus points a night, that they can win in other ways, which is why I'm very intrigued by this Atlanta-Philly series by this game here in the way that they, 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 they won this game. Because Embiid didn't have a 40-point night. Mm-hmm. He didn't need to. And as Coach K pointed out, you don't have – you only have Mike Conley yet. Mm-hmm. So your problems are only going to get worse from here if you're the Clippers. Mm-hmm. You had 29 from Jackson. You had a good game from Paul George, not so good from Kawhi Leonard. So you think Reggie Jackson is going to get you 29 every night? That's not going to happen. Nope. Kawhi could offset that, but that still puts you in a loss mm-hmm. based on last night's game. So, yeah, I, I mean, DeMarcus Cousins was actually the best matchup uh, for Rudy Gobert, um, you know, because Cousins could still get off a little bit on offense. Um, Rudy got him once, but you sacrifice something by putting him in the game now. 
Yep. You sacrifice the defensive end and you sacrifice some of your athleticism because Boogie, unfortunately, just doesn't have that right now anymore. He may not ever have that, but he can still hoop. So I, I'm really worried about the Clippers. Like you said, if they came back and went in one and seven, I'd be like, all right. But if it doesn't kill them in this round, they'll lose the next round if they play like that. Mm-hmm. Which goes into the next series. Um so I'm going to uh, – my prediction is that the Jazz will win in, in six. Uh, like I said, if Clippers won in seven, it's all right. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm loving what the Suns are doing right now. And last week, I was like, their pivotal player is DeAndre Ayton. That's the most critical player in that series. And what he has been able to do so far, albeit at home, is neutralize Jokovic's production the Joker, uh, Jokic's uh, production. Mm-hmm. Essentially canceled him out in game one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, didn't quite cancel, but, you know, did very, it, game two just got really out of hand there in the, you know, I think it was the third quarter because uh, the Nuggets were actually up by halftime by one. And in the third quarter, they just ran away because, you know, Bridges, dude is no joke. Cameron Payne, no joke. Devin Buckets, as I like to call him. Like has that mentality is like I'm just I'm just gonna put you away, and I like this because he didn't always play like this. He's like I'm not gonna sit and wait around for the game to come. I'm just I'm just gonna put you away. And you're gonna have to claw your way out of this. Chris Paul, highly efficient basketball. This man has had. He's the only I think he's the only player in NBA history with three playoff games of 15 points, 15 assists, and zero turnovers. Mm-hmm. This man's assist to turnover ratio is scary. Scary. I think he's had one turnover the whole series. Yeah. Like that, that's scary good. They're missing Jamal Murray right now. Um, just that extra boost of production. A lot of weight is on Jokic's shoulders right now. And with the team that I actually played defense, because they struggled against Portland. But Portland can't play defense. So Jokic was able to cancel out pretty much whatever the Blazers did in most instances. But if you have a team that could actually slow you down, not going to be able to stop them, but if you could slow them down a little bit and make shots harder, because Michael Porter Jr. is not looking good either, which is another story. But if you're able to slow them down, you can win. You can win. I I see the Nuggets coming back as the series moves to, to Denver. Um, I think they'll get at least one of those and maybe one in Phoenix. Uh, no, the other game in uh, Denver. But I still say Phoenix and six. I'm going to say Phoenix and six in this one. Uh, Coach Maddox, what do you got for the Suns uh, Nuggets series? Yeah, I've changed it on this one. I had to, I thought the Denver was going to win before the series started, but after watching the first two games, I think, uh, I mean, nothing really to add to your points. I think um, Phoenix is playing fantastic. You know, Monty Williams is coaching his butt off. Yeah, uh, yeah. Chris Paul's doing his thing. And the yeah, funny thing is, because last week I thought with the Lakers' dysfunction, um, I thought not necessarily it would have been a not necessarily a, a bad experience from the Suns' standpoint, being a, a dysfunctional Lakers team, but um, 
you know, I thought it may have more of an impact in this series just because, you know, I felt like the Lakers just, there's just too much going on with them, obviously injury wise. And then, you know, it just fell apart completely at the end there. Um, but to your point, I think also Denver benefited from the fact that, you know, Portland doesn't play defense at all. I mean, they're, they play less defense than a Mike D'Antoni coach team. Yes. <laughs> Which they is could guard me in a cubicle. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I'll probably overlook that that fact as well because I'm mean, yeah, really impressed by, um, you know, Phoenix. Not necessarily Chris Paul because, I mean, we kind of not necessarily expect this from him. But, you know, he's a veteran. He's been around for a long time. But, you know, Phoenix is – those young guys are really playing good, playing very poised. You know, they're not rattled by by Denver at all. Um, so I'm very, very impressed by by what they're they've been able to do. So I yeah, I got them, I got them in six for the Suns because they're 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 playing fantastic, playing some really solid basketball. Seems like they really have, not seems like, but you know, they know what their identity is. Um, you know, they have confidence in what their schemes are and what they're doing. Everybody knows their role when they go, when they go out there, you can just tell by how they play. I mean, obviously every play may not turn out how they want it, but you can just tell that they're comfortable and they know what they're doing. And they, they at least know what the plan is. And it just basically comes down to execution at that point. So, yeah, uh, I, I'm really impressed by Phoenix. So yeah, I got, I got Phoenix in six. Definitely, definitely impressed with that. The one uh, one of the key things about eight and two is that he's not picking up a lot of fouls, especially unnecessary. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I thought he would have more trouble with um, with with the Joker because uh, you know because because he's very very nifty down there yeah. in the post. Um, so yeah, because I, I thought he would have more trouble, but yeah, he's been playing being very very disciplined, playing very 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 well. My only advice to him for the offensive side of the ball. Sometimes he takes the ball down too much when he receives it and he mm-hmm. gives the defense a chance to recover, uh, which alters his shot. Sometimes he gets the ball stolen. I think he just needs to develop more of a, a quicker reflex, get the ball, don't put it down, keep it up towards your head and then keep, and then go straight up with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he incorporates that, uh, he's going to be even more effective than what he is now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Coach K, who do you got for this series? Are you going with Phoenix? Or you think Denver is going to make a comeback? I'm going Phoenix and four. Oh, the broom's coming out. Okay, okay. Broom is coming out. I mean, I, I think, I think, yeah. I I just think that I think there might be a game. I think these next couple games will be definitely closer. But I think, I think that uh, Phoenix is going to edge them out. And I, I think it's just, just, just to the. I think it just speaks to the um, uh, Chris Paul, just, just the type of floor general that he is. Uh, Devin Booker. I mean, all things are just clicking. For, I think most everything is just clicking for them right now, more so. Um, I'd say more so than. Dare I say more, more so than any other team right now in the playoffs. I feel like they've been fairly been the most consistent team. Yeah, they're clicking better so, than probably any other team right now. 
Yeah. So. So uh, I think they're gonna ride that momentum, and I'm, I'm gonna say a bold sweep. Okay. There it is. There it is. All right. Well, that's the second round analysis. Our last topic here. Uh, so Sports Insider they looked at Twitter data over the last month. 70,000 tweets, hashtags, and direct keyword phrases about the NBA players that people disliked within each state, okay? So picture the map of the United States. LeBron was the most hated player in 24 out of the 50 states, almost half the country, said LeBron is the player that they hate. Runner-up was Kyrie Irving, um, who was the most hated player in 18 states. Um, his teammates, Harden and uh, KD, tied for third, and they had three states apiece. So, Coach Natty T, you brought this to our attention, and some of this was really surprising, especially some of the other names on, on here. What, what, what came to your mind as you, you looked through this map? Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was an interesting, uh, question. Uh, my first reaction is people on Twitter are a bunch of idiots. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's my first reaction. Um, but taking a deeper dive into it and I know the criteria says state, so, you know, you can make the argument, but if you look at the actual map, Right. I would make the argument Kyrie's the most hated player in the NBA because if we're going off of the actual amount of people in terms of population in these states in comparison, mm -hmm. you know, Kyrie has some like the pretty much the whole East Northeast hates Kyrie. Yes. And Although those states are smaller, as we know, like the population wise, those northeastern states are packed in comparison to Idaho, Montana, North and South Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, Kansas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, Utah, Arkansas, Mississippi, <laughs> Kentucky, West Virginia. Like, okay, I'll give you Indiana, I'll give you Michigan, I'll give you the state of New York, obviously, I'll give you Virginia, maybe South Carolina, but in terms of population, I mean, Kyrie has, well, Illinois, but I mean, that has Chicago, so that's a major, that's a big population state there. Yeah. Um, Washington, you have Seattle, that's a big, that's a pretty big city area. Um, and then, like I mentioned, he has like, you know, Maryland, Delaware, New Jersey, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Vermont, Maine. Like, those are some very populous states right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I would, yeah. I would argue by the actual sheer number of people, Kyrie's the most hated. Um, that makes sense. And then, yeah, and then Kyrie has Florida too. Florida, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's like Florida and Louisiana. Yeah, Louisiana, North Carolina, Tennessee. I mean, 
That that's a lot of people. <laughs> that's a lot of people. Um, that was kind of my first instinct, kind of doing a deeper dive into looking at the map here. Second part is looking at the actual states as well. You notice a lot of the states that hate LeBron, a lot of them don't have NBA teams in their state. Mm, they're riding the, the LeBron news train, right? So have to find somebody there. Because, <laughs> I mean, majority of these states here that are in the heartland of America, they don't have NBA teams. Yeah. <laughs> Montana. This is New, Me New Mexico, Nebraska. Yeah, like Iowa, Iowa. North South Dakota. Yeah, they don't, they don't have NBA teams there. New Mexico, Kentucky, Arkansas. Yep, Arkansas, Oklahoma. How, you know, Mississippi, yeah. Kentucky, yeah. South Carolina, West Virginia. They don't have they don't have no NBA teams there. So part to me is like with everything else, it's multifaceted. So I think that's more political. Mm -hmm. I think so too. Um, <laughs> but I, and I said this in the in our in our group text, like the fact that Arizona hates Paul George, I think is absolutely hilarious. What happened? What happened? There? I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to look it up. I don't know what happened there. But the fact that they hate Paul George, or maybe there's some just a lot of closeted Clippers fans out there, and they're I just love a it. fan of. I love I, it. I don't know, but that was hilarious to me. Yeah, I couldn't put that one together. I was yeah, like, I, I, he never burned Phoenix as as far as like, oh, he could come to Phoenix in free agency. He's mm -hmm. never taken him out in a playoff series. No, he hasn't taken him out yet in a playoff series. So I'm like. Why? It's like yeah. California and um, California. So like, what? Yeah. So, third part. I thought it's interesting that literally, it's LeBron and then the Brooklyn Nets. Or the <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much. That's pretty like, much. Basically, <laughs> like I find that hilarious too. Now, Texas, I get that. Yeah, that one. Um, What's what? Uh, I'm trying to figure out Georgia and I don't, may, maybe, maybe he did something he wasn't supposed to do at the strip club in Atlanta. Maybe so. Maybe. It's a, maybe that's some, some sort of local thing, but I find that kind of random. But Texas, I understand. And then, and then Westbrook has Pennsylvania. I think that's just the beef between him and Embiid. So I get that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do think with with the LeBron hate, if you will, um, again, I think it's multifaceted. I think it's somewhat political. I think it's somewhat just <laughs> if you look at the states. It's just he's the most he's the face of the league. He's in LA. And a lot of people in those states just kind of resent that whole superstar kind of persona that he has. Cause again, 
whether fairly or unfairly, LeBron just kind of sucks all the air out of the room. He does. He demands the trust. Right. He just does. And kind of similar to what we talked about with Aaron Rodgers with the, with the Green Bay Packers fans, that just turns people off, especially in this, that middle of the country. Those were a lot of red states. Mm-hmm. So that's where I feel like that's intertwined there. That's where you're going to get some of that hate. I'm looking at Hawaii right now. Is that Kyrie for Hawaii? Yeah, that's Kyrie. What, yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, man. They, yeah, they like, can't, I think they're just mad because they can't – they don't have the opportunity to really get – they can't experience any NBA basketball games. That's that's why I said when I looked at the map, I'm like, huh, most of these states that quote-unquote hate LeBron don't even have an NBA team. Alaska hates LeBron too. Yeah, because Alaska hates. That don't make no sense. Nobody cares about what Alaska thinks. Well, that's true. Uh, And they're not even. Except for our listeners in Alaska, we care about what you think. But (laughs) sorry about that. Yeah. No, but I mean, you know, but I think that's kind of that. But that speaks to the narrative here, because again. Remember what LeBron even said about the Utah Jazz, like in terms of you know video, oh you know don't don't like picks them. I think that you know when he makes statements like that, you know that that not only offends the people in Utah, but like you know those other people in those surrounding states, right? I mean they they're like wait, yeah, I mean we never get a chance. All oh, these superstar guys making all this money and blah blah blah, and then they're skipping or not skipping the. They're going to all these different teams and creating their own super teams like that. That's the that's the heart of that right there. Yeah. Now, my last point, I think it's ironic. Because <laughs> we can say it's politically biased. I don't think it's particularly race biased, though, because we did a similar poll with NFL players. Okay. Guess who was the most hated? Who? Tom Brady. <laughs> when you and the win. states were actually pretty similar in the terms of the ones that dislike LeBron and Tom Brady. Really? Very interesting. <laughs> so, this leads to my last point. I think people, it's just kind of human nature that, you know, people that have sustained success, sustained greatness. There's fatigue there, and people just can't stand them for whatever reason. Now, again, Tom Brady with the Patriots, they have their own – What we all know the story there, right? Mm-hmm. But I found that very interesting, that, that basically the two – based on these polls or based on the statistics and the data that they use, the two most – in the two most popular sports in America, the two most – Hated people are LeBron James and Tom Brady. Hmm. <laughs> so I found that very interesting. Oh, so that's why I couldn't necessarily go fully like race. Yeah. Know, I really yeah. think it's just very specific, nuanced, you know, things that add up to why people can't stand LeBron in this instance and even Tom Brady in that instance. My my immediate thought when I looked at all of these states that hated LeBron, I was thinking like, you know, if we were to 
run this in 97, 98, I can see Jordan getting all these states too. <laughs> Perhaps a couple more. I mean, yeah, because <laughs> he beat a lot of, I mean, yeah. Your he team can't win him. because he's there. Like, yeah. and so you hate him. Yeah. 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 I see a lot of these. Uh, I see this not being very similar. Um, Coach K, I think you did excellent analysis on that, Coach IT. Those have been great takeaways. Um, I didn't have anything to add to that. I think you captured all, all the points there. Um, Coach K, did you want to add anything before we wrap up? Yeah, I just thought it was ludicrous. I mean, I, if, at first, like, I'm a LeBron. I'm not a LeBron fan, but I am a fan of LeBron, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, uh, at first I thought it was funny, but then I was just like, it's just kind of ridiculous that LeBron is the most hated player in the NBA. And, like, I I really – I like the analysis that Coach Natty T did. Um, I think it might be a little more political, especially just coming out of everything, like the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that came out last year. Some of the some of the more I guess quote unquote controversial controversial statements tweets that LeBron's made, uh, especially about the cop and the, the tweet that got deleted. Yeah. Um, so I could see that, but honestly, like I don't think there is any reason that LeBron should be the, the most hated person in the NBA. Like to me, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, other than like the decision, like that, um, the that. He made, I mean, he made men's for that like a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the sustained, sustained success, um, I can see that argument, but like he hasn't really, yeah. I mean, the last these last three years have been rough by LeBron, yeah, standard, but yeah. yeah. And that's that's why I think it's a little more political, <clears throat> which I think it's a shame too. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I to me the most I could understand like Kyrie being the most hated player in the NBA, <laughs> uh, just just based off of like his responses and you know his attitude towards the whole game, but. And, and just to, all, to I, add to what you said too, real quick, because politically I found it interesting. Kyrie's even hated in the States that are considered to be quote unquote, more liberal, like more blue. Really? Cause look at the States. It's interesting. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's not even like he's in the all, all the Trump people here. Like, no, nah, like these are blue for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. That's very yeah, interesting. That is interesting. Um, I to be honest, like I think the most hated player in the NBA should probably be uh Oh gosh, he about to say Tyloo. He's about to say he's gonna find a way to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
find a well, way. <laughs> well, I think that was the end of a good segment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say Paul George because I mean, he just, I don't know. He 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 seems like he deserves that spot right now. Listen, I'm sure you are welcome at any time in Arizona right now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you are. Yeah, you need to. Yeah, you should go undercover. You should get you a mic and talk to the people out in Arizona. Because I really, I would really want to. I really want to know why do they hate Paul George out of all people in the NBA? And it's so I'm, random. I'm assuming that people. <laughs> I'm assuming, this is just super random, but the fact that his nickname is Pandemic P, I'm wondering if people like are attributing him to like somehow. I don't know. To be honest, like I'm sur- there was I'm surprised like Rudy Gobert isn't higher on the list. Or he he isn't even on the list, is he? Because yeah. he was the reason that we had the we yeah, had basketball games. Yeah. Yeah. And they yeah. still chose Paul George. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I don't like Paul George, yeah. man. Coach Coach Murph, him and his family are now in Arizona, so we might have to have him do some digging for us too. Yeah, yeah. Send, send him a text and see if he could, what he can find out out there, because I'm very curious about that. Yeah. Oh man. Well, thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Coach's Vox. We've had a lot of fun uh, tonight. I'm Coach JP3 on behalf of Coach Nit and the real Coach K. Uh, we'll talk to y'all next week. Have a great weekend. Stay blessed and stay safe, everyone. Peace. Peace.